Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Revealing and unconcealing, what is it that is getting in the way of our potential as human beings? Exploring the power of the body-mind and our current relationship with reality. Together, I want to dive into an inquiry into what is happening in our world today and who we are being and how we are living in it, both individually and as a species. What is it that is keeping us stuck, causing us to repeat the same patterns and cycles? What is getting in the way of our potential and our evolution as a species? I'm Nikki Clinch, and I am your host. I will be sharing the science, research, and many human stories on why we are the way we are and what is required for us to outgrow our current way of being and birth a new possibility for ourselves. Because now is the time to remember and to discover our infinite potential of being human. Welcome to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Well, it feels fitting and appropriate to begin with the teaching and the question, since it is such a fundamental methodology that will be covered in much of this podcast, and it is my work, is what is maturation? And that's what I want to be teaching about today. What is maturation? Now, some of you who already know me, you know, you know that I use that word. I call myself a maturation coach. I train people to become maturation coaches. But I know that when I started using that word, most people had no idea what I meant. And most people still do not until you actually come into the work. And so it's appropriate for me to begin with addressing and teaching what actually is maturation. And it's an important teaching because it's not just relevant to those of you or us who want to come into this kind of methodology. It actually isn't a methodology. It isn't a philosophy. It isn't a belief system. In fact, maturation from the context that I am speaking about it and teaching about it and that I have been taught about it is relevant and consistent and in correlation to our evolution as a species. So let me begin with this because the word maturation itself can be triggering. And so before I go on any further, I want to just cover that aspect. Often you might hear the word maturation and feel defensive, triggered. There may be a part of you that thinks that you're being judged or you're being disempowered or belittled, as in like, hey, grow up. Why don't you just mature? Now, I don't know about you, but I certainly get triggered by that kind of language and that kind of judgment. You know, I remember being a child 
and being told, oh, just grow up. And the shame and the humiliation I remember feeling by being perceived and seen as not knowing how to do something in the world or being perceived and seen as being immature in my perception or in my way of being or in my behavior. I remember, I distinctly remember finding that very insulting and shaming. So I want to begin by addressing this. Nothing here is coming from that place. There is no judgment here. In fact, nothing in what I'm saying or where I'm speaking from in any of what I teach in this podcast and and any other teachers that come on here has anything to do with saying that who you are is somehow not doing it right or you are somehow immature or you are somehow failing or doing it wrong and there is a more mature way and you should just grow up. No, that in itself is a very young way of speaking and seeing a human being coming even from that kind of judgment. You know, that's the kind of name calling that we all got stuck in and did when we were in kindergarten and primary school. There is nothing in what I am teaching here that has anything to do with saying that that what you're doing is wrong or what I'm doing is wrong. In fact, I want to I want to zoom right out from it being anything just about you. It definitely is relatable to you. It's in relation to you and me and us as individuals. But what I am really speaking about is consistent and and universal to the entire human species. This is not a you problem. This is a human problem. This is in relation to where we are as human beings, as human beings in our current state of being, in our current relationship with our perceptions of who we think we are and how we live our lives, our current state of being in our relationship with life and with reality itself. And what I am speaking about is speaking to you as a human being. You too are human, as am I, as is everybody listening. And so what is maturation from the context of us as a species. And that's what I want to teach about today. Because when we consume right out in that way, it allows us to see patterns and consistencies and connections about our lives that we can't see from when we're just looking at a me problem or a you problem. It's like when you're in a plane and you rise up to 30,000 feet, you can start to see patterns and sequences in the landscape from that viewpoint that you can't see when you're standing on ground. 
And so when you're just looking at you as the problem, trying to solve your own problems as an individual, it's like you standing on the ground trying to work out why patterns keep repeating and why there are certain consistencies and connections in the way that your life is unfolding, but you can't see the whole landscape from where you're looking. And so when we take it beyond just a you individual problem or you individual struggle, and we zoom right out to starting to see from the viewpoint of the species as a human struggle, a human issue, a species issue. When we can zoom right out, that's like zooming, flying right up to 30,000 feet and starting to suddenly be able to see patterns and consistencies in the landscape of our own life, because we're human, that we couldn't see before. And that is the entire intention of today's episode, but also of all the episodes. So let's begin by just completely eradicating any kind of judgment. When I speak about anything here, it is in relation to you and me and everyone listening. Okay, so what is maturation? maturation, maturing, a process of maturing. But what exactly is it that needs to mature or is being invited to mature or is in the process of maturing? What exactly is it? And, you know, we all know that when we're born, we as a species biologically go through a maturing process our body grows, our skin develops, our brain develops. We, we mature in physical shape, in definition, the functionality of our organs and the way that our body works matures. We go through puberty, we grow hair, we grow breasts, you know, we grow hips the body biologically matures automatically. We don't have to do anything to make it mature. It just is part of the evolutionary process biologically as human beings. But beyond biological, we also mature in development as a species. When we are born, we have a certain way of being in relationship to reality. When we're newborns, it's like a buzzing, booming confusion. Everything is just pure experience. We have no distinction between there is a me here and the stuff of this is separate to the stuff of this or this or this. When we're newborns and young babies, there's just a soup of experience. And that is how we get our sense of self. That is our current state of being in relationship to self. And the world appears to us consistently to this sense of self. 
we experience the world as buzzing, booming soup of experience, and we experience ourselves as the same. In fact, there's no distinction. As we mature in development, and we become toddlers, or actually younger than toddlers, around a year, maybe coming up to a year, we start to develop physical sensations, actually younger than a year. And by the way, this is a very simplified explanation, but it gives you a context of what I'm speaking of. Then we mature and we start to develop our sense of self as physical sensations. We feel when we're hungry. We feel when our nappy is wet. We feel when we're cold, when we're hot, and we express that with screaming and crying. We experience our sense of self as physical sensations. Then we mature even more and it matures into emotional impulses. Certainly any of you who have toddlers, you will identify. Suddenly we have these bursts of emotional impulses. We, we strongly feel no, or we strongly feel that we want something my son, when he was a toddler, you know, taking him in the supermarket, in the trolley, and he wants the chocolate biscuits. There's no, there's no thought process. There's no consideration. He just reaches out and grabs them. When we are at that stage of development, we get our sense of self by these automatic emotional impulses. And that is how we get a sense of who we are. We, the emotional impulse and longing with mom, with dad, with comfort, with need, that is a, a part of our, our development, our maturation as a child. And then we mature even more and we begin to develop this sense of me. I am a me separate from you. I remember Callum being around four and I would say to him, what's your name? And it was only around four was the first time that he would actually answer me, I'm Callum. Like he immediately had an image of who he is now. But if I'd asked him a year before, he would just go, I'm me. There was no Callum yet that had developed. And so part of that maturation is we start to develop a sense of ourself. It's usually starts around four or five and then grows on till teens, really. The sense of ourself, which continues to be developed by getting conscious of our own thoughts, of who we are in the world, of our place in the world. We start to be self-conscious. Do I fit with my group of friends? Do I do people like me? When I look at Callum, he's now started big school and he's like, am I going to make friends? Do I fit in? And then I look at my 10-year-old daughter and she's even more developed in that. It's like, who am I in the group? This identity, this me is beginning to be, not beginning, is forming this self-image of who me is, has now formed and is forming. And that gives us our way of being. Maybe your sense of self is the one that fits in, or the one that doesn't fit in, or the one that's always separate, or the one that's always popular, or the one that's always smart, or the one that's always good. 
whatever it is, we are trying to work out how we fit in the world and who we are in it. And it is consistent with the phase of maturation, of development. We start to see ourselves as a someone and the world out there. And then that continues to develop until adulthood. And usually developmental psychologists will say that that's where our stages of development stop. When we have an ability to have control over our, some control over our emotional impulses, our physical impulses, that we have some form of a sense of self. This is who I am and this is who you are. And that is essentially, biologically and psychologically, where adulthood stops. Well, what I'm saying and my teachers are saying, and many people are saying now because consciousness is shifting, is that it doesn't stop there. That there are many, many, many more phases of development, of evolution, of maturation, way beyond just having an idea of who me is in the world and some kind of control over emotional physical impulses. That our maturation individually and as a species goes way, way further. And that the sense of self that we have is the place and the context from which we see the world and the way the world appears to us is consistent and in correlation to where we see from. And so our maturation, our maturing, our evolution in our perceptions and relationships to who we think we are is also in correlation to how reality in the world appears to us. So if you remember being a child and believing in Santa Claus, do you remember? There was a time in my childhood, it just was the way it was. Santa Claus came and hung the stocking at the end of my bed. I remember that it just was the way it was. It just is. On Christmas Eve, Santa Claus comes and hangs the stocking at the end of my bed. And then I remember starting to get these questionings entering my mind. Is it, is it really Santa Claus? Or is it, or is it mommy? Or is it daddy? How does he fly around the whole world? And I remember the questioning beginning to happen for me. And as the questioning began to happen, it was over a phase of a year, the way that I started to see the world, the way that the reality started to appear to me started to consistently shift with the questioning that I was in. As I questioned more and more, is it really Santa Claus or is this a story that mommy made up and my parents made up? And is it really them? Is it really, how can he really fly across the world? And I'm asking myself these questions. The questioning comes from a maturing process. It's actually a phase of maturation to outgrow 
your belief in Santa Claus. And then one morning, it just no longer has the power or the ability to mesmerize me. The illusion that Santa Claus is real no longer has the illusionary magical hold on me. I outgrew my belief in Santa Claus and I woke up one morning and it just didn't look possible anymore. There was no way that it just was. It was 100% a story. Well, that outgrowing of a way of seeing and knowing and therefore the world appearing to you doesn't just happen in childhood. It continues and can continue to happen in our own maturation process as individuals and as a species. And it's a very important process because if we are not maturing, then we are staying stuck. And if we are staying stuck from where we see the world from and our perceptions of who we think we are, then the way the world appears to us consistently stays stuck with where we're looking from. And that brings me to you and me and our consistent problems, the repeating patterns that just keep going round and round again, no matter how many times you try to change it, no matter how many times you change your partner, you change your house, you change your tone of voice, you change your body shape, you change the country that you live in, you choose a different political party, you, this time you're gonna vote this time, um, Labour, the next time you're gonna vote Conservative. You keep changing, and I say you, I also mean me, and human beings, we keep changing our actions. And yet, somehow, even though we may have some sense of improvement, the improvement is temporary. And there's this magnetic pull to return to the familiar way of being and seeing ourselves in the world and therefore how the world appears to us. And the patterns keep repeating. And this is happening on an individual level for us as human beings, but it's also happening on a collective level for us as human beings. You know, divorce rates are, are, are literally at the highest that they have ever been. Marriages and relationships are in the worst state that they have ever been in history. We seem to be repeating patterns over and over and over again, and we can't quite work out why. Even though we do the workshops, we read the books, we study the courses, we do our affirmations, we drink the green juices, we do our yoga, we do our meditation, we do plant medicine, we're doing all these things, and yet, why is it, why is it that it isn't stopping the repeating patterns in a way that is, that we are free of them. And that's where maturation comes in. When, when we look at a pattern or we look at a problem that keeps repeating, what is it that we are actually saying when we say that we have a problem? Well, there's three things that we're saying when we say that we have a problem. The first thing is, is when something is, 
but we say it shouldn't be. So we're in a state of conflict, of resistance to what is. When something is, but we say it shouldn't be that way. Or when something is not, and we say it should be that way. The number in my bank account should be more. Or the number in my bank account should be less. How often do we ever say it should be less? But anyway, (laughs) whatever is, it just is, but we say it shouldn't be. The sadness that moves through my body should not be that way. I should be happy. The anger that I am experiencing should not be that way. I should be grateful. Whatever is, we say it shouldn't be. So that's the first thing that we're saying when we say we have a problem. The second thing is, the problem keeps repeating no matter what we do. There's a repetitiveness to it. Have you noticed that you keep changing your partner And after the honeymoon phase, which usually can be up to two years, the wearing off of the honeymoon phase and the in-loveness starts to wear off and you start to realize that there are familiarities in how the relationship is and the dynamics in the relationships are unfolding. You change your jobs and after the honeymoon phase wears off, you start to realize the same old patterns of how you experience your boss or how you experience being in the job or how you experience yourself even in work or how you experience yourself with money starts to come back again. Familiarities, a repetitiveness. There's something repeating and it's repeating and going around again and you don't know how to stop it and therefore it is stuck. That's the second thing that we're saying when we have a problem. And the third thing is, there's always a someone there having the problem. There's always a me there, the one who is always having the problem. Have you ever noticed that when you have a problem, you're always there? Your neighbor isn't having the same problem as you. Your problem is consistent to the me that is having it. So those are the three things that we're saying when we say we have a problem. When something is and it shouldn't be, and we say it shouldn't be, the problem is repetitive and getting stuck. And there's always a someone there having the problem. And so who is this someone? Or let me say this, where is this someone seeing from? At what age of development or stage of development is the someone seeing from that is having the problem. When I was having problems in my marriage, my husband and I were having the same fight over and over again for nine years. Sometimes it was about the washing up. Sometimes it was about the bank account. Sometimes it was about the dishwasher, the children, what space in the house. Whatever the details were, they would change. But the dynamic of the argument was the same. I would feel like my needs were not being met and I'm not heard or valued or seen. I would then come to him to try to speak about it and he would immediately feel trapped and judged and like I, that he's a disappointment and he would get defensive and then I would immediately feel abandoned 
and betrayed, and then he would feel uh, trapped even more and want to leave. Uh, oh my goodness, it just went round and round and round and round again until we actually separated. And I really, really, really believed that if I just get rid of him and find another partner, well, I'll do better next time. Well, in the time that we were separated, I started to really dive deeply into my maturation in relation to intimacy. And I started to see exactly what I'm teaching here. Who is the someone that was always having the problem of not having her needs met? I started to realize that I had experienced that or similar in every relationship that I'd been in. In fact, even friendships. In fact, any intimate relationship. At some point, I would start to experience that my needs weren't going to be met, that I wasn't going to be heard, and therefore I would have to somehow make sure that my needs were going to be met or overcompensate and prove or control or manage the situation. When I got really honest and I looked at who is this someone that is having the problem? When I took the focus off him and I looked at who is even the someone having the problem, I realized that it was identical to when I was four, three, four, a little girl and my relationship and how I experienced being with my mother. It wasn't just similar. It was identical. Frozen moments in time, frozen wounds, frozen traumas, frozen heartbreaks, frozen, and I say frozen because they are unresolved and unprocessed and unfelt and un we haven't been able to outgrow it yet. Frozen in time, looking through my eyes and giving me the appearing of every relationship of intimacy that I had ever been in. I had to outgrow the four-year-old that was in every relationship that I had been in, not just changing my behavior and my tone of voice and being more grown up. No, the entire way that relationship even appeared to me was consistent and in correlation to the someone that was looking and having the problem. Just like the someone that lived in a world where Santa Claus was real, the world appeared that Santa Claus was real. And then that someone started to mature and the world started to shift. It is identical to how we are living in our lives. We don't get older, we just get taller. Biologically, we mature. But there are blind spots in the way in which we see the world. And those blind spots are individual to you and consistent to the species. Maturation is a process of dissolving and outgrowing the blind spots that are coloring how reality appears to us and therefore giving us how we behave and act and see and live, or try to live. 
it was a blind spot for me that the way intimacy even appeared to me was consistent to the four-year-old that was looking through my eyes. The blind spot of time. The past was looking through my eyes and giving me the appearing of my world. Therefore, it didn't matter how many times I changed my partner or changed the tone of my voice or changed my body because it's not enough to change the external circumstances. We need to mature and outgrow the one that's even looking. Do you remember in the bio, in science, in school, we did that experiment. Some of you may have done this already, had done this, some of you may not, where you took a magnet and you put the magnet under a piece of paper and you put a piece of paper on top of the magnet and then you threw iron filings all over the paper. You shook it up and you threw the iron filings all over the paper and they would scatter all over the place. And you'd be like, wow, they'd kind of scatter all over the place. And then all of a sudden the iron filings would and they would form in a formation. And everyone would be like, wow. And then you'd take the iron filings again and you'd shake them up and you'd throw them on the paper and they'd scatter in different places all over the place. And then all of a sudden, they would form again in exactly the same formation. The magnetic field of the magnet had a formation to it. Where you are seeing the world from is the magnet. The magnet to how your reality and world is forming. And if we just change the husband and change the tone of our voice and do our affirmations and do our yoga, which is all very important, don't get me wrong, I do all those things. But if we just do all those things, it's no different to shaking up the iron filings and thinking that we're going to get a different formation. No. Maturation is when we outgrow and shift the magnet the blind spot from where we are seeing from, from our perception of sense of self that gives us the entire appearing of our reality and world. The way the world appears is consistent to where we see it from. This is uh, an extract from a research study done uh, at the Woodsai Neuroscience Institute in Stanford University by a scientist, a neuroscientist called Patrick Kavanagh. There's a whole world of visual analysis and computation and prediction that is happening outside the visual system, happening in the frontal lobes, Kavanagh says. That's where the story of reality is constructed. At least in this one example, as evidenced by this one small study, he was doing a study to reveal how what appears to us is not what is actually there. What appears to us is consistent with the perception apparatus from which we are seeing. It is consistent to where we're seeing from. That's where the story of reality is constructed, at least in this one example as evidenced by this one small study. And here's what the interesting piece. The remarkable thing is that even when you are told what is actually happening, you will still see it in the illusionary form that appears to you. 
you, you, we, human beings, our perception, our current perception apparatus can't seem to consciously override the wrong interpretation. You know, when you've been in a fight with your partner and you know that you are somehow behaving completely erratically or your relationship with your boss or your relationship to money, you know conceptually that it probably isn't the way you're seeing it. But understanding that isn't enough to stop how it appears to you. It is really appearing to you like he is abandoning you. It is really appearing to you like today is the day that it's all going to fall apart and you're going to run out of all the money and you're going to starve and be homeless in the street. Today is the day that it really is real, even though you understand that we don't see what's there. We see where we are. When you are in it, understanding is not enough to stop how it appears. If the science tells us our brains are making up a story about reality, shouldn't we be curious and even seek out answers to how that reality might be wrong? What he is saying is consistent to the process of maturation, that there is much more power in seeking out consciously where we may be getting the appearing of our reality wrong. Where are the blind spots? And we can't see our own blind spots because a blind spot only appears to you as a blind spot when you realize you have a blind spot. <laughs> it doesn't appear to you as a blind spot until you realize you have a blind spot because it just appears as normal and real and the way it is. When I was in the fight with my husband, he was abandoning me and not listening to me and is blah, blah, blah. It was the way it was. I had no consciousness yet that I was in a blind spot to how it was appearing to me and where I was seeing from, which was identical to my relationship with my mother as a child. Maturation is a process of dissolving blind spots that are coloring how you see yourself and how the world appears and therefore how you are living in your world. When we are ready to dive deeply into the process of outgrowing these blind spots, not only does it give us a whole new way of being of who we even think we are, but it gives us a whole new way that the world appears and it is never ending. We get to keep evolving. I guess one way of saying is maturation is participating in our own evolution, yours individually and ours as a species. So that's what maturation is. Let me give you a question to go away with and inquire. Where in your life is there a consistent problem that keeps repeating? What is the biggest problem in your life that keeps repeating, no matter how much you try to change it, fix it, solve it? Write it down. In fact, write as much as you can about it. Write it how much it repeats and also write how many times you've tried to change it, fix it, how much it has felt better for a little while. There's been some form of self-improvement, but then it comes right back. Write an A4 piece of paper on your problem, but from the viewpoint that the problem is not just, oh, every relationship I've ever had and every boss, 
but oh, I'm always experiencing this betrayal or this not I'm never seen or I'm never chosen or I need to be chosen. That is also what's repeating. Write it down so you can start to see yourself who is the someone that is having the problem. It's the beginning, the beginning of outgrowing a blind spot. So that is our first episode today. We've got some juicy, juicy teachings in the episodes ahead. Thank you so much for listening. I feel like this is such an important time on our planet to be having this kind of conversation. Because if you hadn't noticed, we also as a species keep repeating the same old problems. That we on this planet collectively seemingly are repeating cycles and patterns. And so the invitation, and it's an exciting invitation, not just for your own individual maturation, but our collective maturation, our maturation as a species, co-creating and participating in our evolution. So thank you all so much for listening. Please do share any comments below of what lands for you, any aha moments, any questions that you have. Do feel free to write into me at support at nikkiclinch.com. We love hearing from you. Um, Please do share this podcast with anybody that you feel may need it. And if you're human, this relates to you. And please, if you can, because we're a brand new podcast and your support matters so much to us, please do go and write a review either on Apple. Yeah, write a review on Apple or give us a star rating, which helps this podcast reach as many people as possible. Thank you all so, so much for listening. I'm Nikki Clinch, and this is the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast with Nikki Clinch. That's me, your host. If you are interested in understanding in a much more deeper way why we are the way we are as human beings, why your life unfolds the way it does, and how to access this extraordinary power and potential that is already there within you, within all of us actually, that you are curious and interested in how to access it, how to embody it, and how to start living it. And whilst discovering all these things about us as human beings and our infinite potential of being human, hopefully answering some unanswered questions as to what is happening in our world today. If this is what is calling you, then please do download our free three-day masterclass, Breaking the Cycle of Repeating Patterns in Your Life, Relationships and Business. Or you can head to our website, www.nikkiclinch.com and enjoy yourself with all the information, checking out the courses and the workshops and our offerings on there. Thank you so much for listening.